Hi, I'm Archit. And I'm Shirin. And welcome to Getting Lost with Archit and Shirin, a podcast where two amateur cooks, if you say so, talk about all things food, from ingredients, recipes, techniques, and lessons from our trials in the kitchen. Every episode, Shirin, our producer Natasha, and I will do a deep dive into one singular topic and talk about literally everything we know. Shirin, why don't you tell us what we're talking about today? I would like that very much. We are talking about one of my favorite things in the world, a martini or many martinis. Martinis in general. I know, I know. And it's so tricky because like martinis can be really easy to do, but also super complicated. And kind of like in the last episode, how we talked about how we are not the experts, but we will bring in experts to make sure that when it comes to cocktails, we give you exactly what you need to know. And I'm very happy to share that a dear old friend of mine, Ishrat, is joining us on the show today. Ishrat is fantastic. She's a dancer who also just, in her spare time, is a brand ambassador for Bacardi. Just imagine. Like, can you believe that job? But if you can't, it's fine. She's going to tell us all about it. Hey, Ishrat, thank you for joining us to teach us all about martinis. Welcome. Hey, guys. I'm happy to be here. Like I said. I'm, I don't think I'm an expert, but I will share whatever I know and my knowledge on a martini. Yes, please. You're definitely more knowledgeable than we are. Because <laughs> like, we, we deal in hacks. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. thank you for being here. But I mean, I am fascinated. And even though I'm a friend of yours, I don't actually know how your entire career trajectory has panned out. And I think a lot of the people who listen to our podcast are also interested in careers in F&B. So if you could just tell us how you got where you are and what you do, that would be amazing. That's quite a journey though. But I'll start from the beginning. I basically, right after I graduated school, I joined the undergraduate program for hotel management with the Oberoi School. And I was posted in a tiny little town called Agra. And I was there for about three years and just worked on the job. So I never actually went to college and it was like an on-the-job training program. I was trained in all departments and then I graduated and I spent three years in Agra and then I applied for my postgraduate program. Didn't get in the first time, so I worked one more year and applied again and then I got in the second time. Eventually, I got in. I did two years there and I was posted in different cities around the country. I was in Mumbai, Hyderabad and Udaipur. Again, worked in all departments, worked in all levels, like a supervisor, an assistant and a manager. And then eventually got posted at the Oberoi Gurgaon as an assistant food and beverage manager. And there I was taking care of the bar, the Indian speciality restaurant and the members only club. So basically an entire flow to myself and eventually. Nice. <laughs> Sorry, but like I like the sound of all three of those things. Yeah, it was quite fun, but it kept me on my toes. We were working, mm-hmm. what, 14, 16 hours a day. It was quite exhausting. And anyway, I did I did my stint at the Oberegurgaon for about two years and decided hotels are not for me. Initially, when I joined, I was that kind of a person that was like, I'll spend my entire life in hotels. This is what I want to do. But I think I somewhere got burnt out and I was like, time to move on. That's when I decided, I think food and beverage was always kind of my interest. So I decided to join a friend in the restaurant business. His name is Rakshay. So I joined the passcode only group 
I started at Jamun and Pings in Delhi as the GM for both the outlets and eventually moved on to handling PCO, which was, I think, my favorite part of the career. Favorite part of the town. So, (laughs) yeah, so PCO was fun. It was obviously not easy because I was also a woman in a male-dominated industry. I was handling a bar that was open till six in the morning and obviously around a lot of people that were intoxicated at all times. So it wasn't easy, but it was definitely a lot of fun because you get to see a lot when you're running one of the most popular bars in the city. A little bit more about PCO specifically, because I think it's such a unique bar and it's one of those things that becomes almost like a, you know, you want to show your friends PCO like when you learn about it because people learn about it at different times. That's true. PCO was India's first proper cocktail bar. I don't think there was a cocktail bar before that that you could actually call a cocktail bar. Obviously, LITs don't count as cocktails. So if you were drinking... No, no. (laughs) If you were drinking that anywhere, I mean, technically they are cocktails, but not my kind of a cocktail bar. PCO in general is known for its classics. It's hidden away in a Vasanvihar market. You can only enter a court to get in. It's got two floors, which is actually my favorite part of it. One is a floor full of like jazz music and like a sit down situation. And then you have the basement where you have like an underground hip hop sort of a party going on. So it, ha- it, it had vibes for, I think, everyone. So it was, it, that's why people really liked it. It initially started off yeah. when people were allowed to play their own music there. And then eventually it became a really cool place to hang out and also do an after party or whatever. So that's what PCO was all about. And I think till date, 10 years running and very strong. Amazing. I think that's my favorite part of PCO as well. That it's not a place that I only need to be in a particular mood to go to for. Like if I'm feeling low-key and we've done this, right? There have been nights when we've just actually had dinner and cocktails upstairs. And then there are nights when we only want to go down and dance. So totally get it. And how did Bacardi happen, Ishrat? Like, I know that it's very different from what you were doing at PCO, but at the same time, it probably has a lot of similarities. The pandemic hit and we were all kind of left jobless because we are not an industry that functions without people. And it was quite difficult for all of us. And we were just sitting at home doing nothing. And I was, I don't know, I think it was the day of the lockdown that I was like, okay, let's just make a cocktail at home. And I started making cocktail videos and that actually became a series called Cocktails in PJs because we were all sitting in PJs at home. And I was just making cocktail videos and posting them. And I think I was consistent for good one year. And that was the time that a lot of people started reaching out to me saying, you know, we're looking for a brand ambassador or we're looking for this role in this alcohol company. And a lot of office style organically coming towards me. But I think somewhere I was still in the learning stage and I was like, I don't know if I'm quite ready yet to move because I yeah. felt that, you know, once things get better, I'll get back into my groove and, you know, my learning can continue and I can keep growing. Then I think I reached a point where we were just going from one lockdown to another and I was just very frustrated. And I just felt like I was not growing as an individual or a professional. And that's yeah. when Bacardi came to me and asked me if I was interested and I was like there's no harm in applying and giving the interviews 
that's how it happened. I I think it was a two month process, and eventually I bagged the job, and I was I decided to move to Bangalore, left everything back I in know. Delhi. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So yeah. Awful, but I'm happy for you. Whatever. But <laughs> <laughs> on a serious note, I love that you've tried doing cocktails both in a you know in a commercial environment and also at home. And I know for a fact that you have probably one of the best home bars. I have ever seen. And when we reached out to you for this particular episode, it was essentially to kind of decode one of the most important tales of all time. And that is the martini. And everyone's grown up hearing about shaken, not stirred. And I think you and I kind of agree on stirred, not shaken in some capacity. And we've talked about martinis so much. You're very welcome. So today I am going to ask you to tell us the very basics of making a good martini. Like, and bring bring me all of your experience in this, Ishad. Like, everything you've learned at home, everything you've learned at work. If it was a dummy's guide to making a great martini, what would you say are, like, the five things someone has to be careful about? It's not that simple. I wish I could just tell you five things. But I think a nice, a good classic cocktail is the hardest to get. And I think that's where a lot of bars go wrong. They do not get their classics right and they jump straight to, you know, innovating or like modern classics or like twists on classics. How to judge a good bar is by its classics. So order a daiquiri, order a martini, order a negroni, order an old-fashioned. These are the kind of cocktails that you can tell if the bar is actually really good or not. Because it shows knowledge, it shows that the bartenders have worked on just knowing their basics before jumping into anything more complicated. What I would I mean, my journey of a martini is actually really funny because I think the first time that I tried a martini, I absolutely hated it. Because like you mentioned, it's not for everyone. And everyone had seen it in the James Bond films and they were like, oh my God, shake and not stirred. But a classic martini is actually stirred. And that's how most bars make it. Because there's the whole logic of ice crystals and everything in there that I don't want to get into. But I think I learned my first martini when I was in Agra. And when I tried it, did not like it, tried different variations. And the first one that I actually really liked was a lychee martini, which is actually not a martini. And I'm very ashamed of it. Yeah, and also you, you lychee. Yeah, I know, right? So I was like really proud of my first martini. I was like, yes, lychee martini. Let's post it on Facebook. Let's post it everywhere. And then I was studying about a martini and I was like, oh, oh, I was so embarrassed. Then I think there was a guest that came to the hotel at that time and she took out this tiny little bottle from her bag. It was like a really fancy steel bottle or metallic bottle or whatever. And it was like nicely you know, it had some nice design on it. And I was, she's like, you know what this is? I was like, I have no idea what this is, but this is a bit weird that you're showing me some yeah. bag. And she's like, this is my vermouth. And I had no oh idea my what it is. It's giving was. white lotus vibes right now. Yeah, right? It, I'm serious. This is giving proper white lotus vibes right now. I know. <laughs> I mean, no I good was... thing can happen after this. When I was watching White Lotus, I was like, oh my God, so many things have happened to me in this. It's not even funny. But anyway, so she took this out. She's like, this is my vermouth. And I was like, okay, great lady. Good for you. And she's like, you know what I do with this? I ask people to give me a large gin and I just add my own vermouth and I make my own martinis. And I could not believe that someone was actually doing that back in 2011. 
And I was so fascinated. And I think that's when I properly started learning how to make a martini. Because I was like, okay, there's, there is a lot of science behind this. There is a lot of knowledge that I need for this. But hang on, what was special about her vermouth? And what's wrong with like, I don't know, um, like Gurgaon, Elvan vermouth. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I think back in 2011, not there there weren't many options of vermouths in the market. India is still growing in the spirit industry. I mean, now you're seeing a boom in general. But back then, people didn't know how to make proper cocktails. People didn't understand what vermouths were. People didn't understand what a martini was, clearly. So I think I think she was a Britisher and she brought in her own vermouths from there, thinking that maybe the hotel I'm going to does not have vermouth. Of course we had a basic martini extra dry. But I think they're very, I think especially Britishers are very particular about the kind of martinis they drink and the kind of vermouths they have with their martinis. So that's why I felt that she she felt the need to bring her own vermouth. And yeah, that's when I started learning about martinis. And eventually I learned many different ways of martinis. So the first one was making a regular martini with vermouth, which is a classic dry martini. Then someone taught me how to, how to wash my ice with vermouth, which meant huh. you would take a mixing glass and you would fill it up with ice and drop in the vermouth, just stir the ice in the vermouth and drain the vermouth out and then add the gin. That was another style of martini that I learned. Then someone told me to wash my wow. glass with the vermouth. Yeah. It's a lot of washing going on. A <laughs> lot of washing. Trust me. I was like... <laughs> So, so when you say washing, what does that specifically mean? Is it that you're putting the vermouth in and then just like tossing it out? Yes, just that. As simple as... Okay. So like when people say peanut butter wash, when they say peanut butter wash for like bourbon or something, that's also just that? Like that's why... No, no, fat so, wash. Yeah, so that's a fat wash. So what happens is you basically say you want to do a peanut butter wash bourbon. You add the peanut butter and the bourbon in a in a box of sorts and then you just put it in the freezer overnight so what happens is because alcohol cannot freeze the fat freezes on top and it gets all the flavor of the fat that you're using so it can be peanut butter it can be coconut oil it can be any sort of oil that freezes it can be truffle oil so there are different types of oils that you can use or any sort of fat that you can use to kind of wash the alcohol which means you're basically getting the flavor of that fat into your alcohol so that's a bit different from washing your glass with vermouth. Got it. Hmm. Yeah, so I learned different styles. But then eventually, when many years later, when I made a proper martini, I think the method that I liked the most was a classic dry martini using gin and vermouth in it and stirring it and serving it straight up. I think that was my favorite style of a martini. Multiple people do it differently, but yeah. That's my journey of a martini and how I learned how to make one. I had a very basic question, which was, what is the difference between a dry martini and I don't know if it's not so dry martini or is it wet martini? Like, What's the difference? (laughs) Is it the same as like wine? Because in wine, you have a dry wine, which means it's low on sugar. So I'm guessing that's not the same parlance here. So a dry martini is basically when you're using 45 ml of gin or sometimes people use 50 and use either 10 to 15 ml of a dry vermouth, which is usually a martini extra dry. 
that is what we call a classic dry martini. You can, I, a 50-10 would be like a nice crisp martini versus a 45-15 would be a classic dry martini. A wet martini is when you're using more of the vermouth and less of the gin. So that's what we call uh, a wet martini. There's also reverse martini where we put in 45 ml or more of the vermouth and less of the gin. I don't know why people drink that. Then there is also a 50-50 martini, which is which is 30 gin and 30 vermouth, which is equal parts. So yeah, it depends on how you like it, I guess. I guess we have and to try them all now. I don't know I sound like I have a problem, but like, I guess we just have to try them all and figure out what we like the most. You won't survive. I, I feel like after like the second martini, you're just going to love all of them, Shiran. So it's just yeah, it's going gonna, gonna to be like a, it's going to be a failed experiment because the results would be amazing, amazing, amazing. Everything would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. You've had so many martinis in your life. What's been like your favorite? Like, can you remember a memory that like, you know, this was like the best martini I've had? I've had two really good martinis, actually three really good martinis. The first one was at Atlas in Singapore. They make something known as a martini, which is basically like a mini martini. It's really cute. But what they do in that is, apart from the gin and the vermouth, they also add like a drop of champagne vinegar, which kind of gives gives it a kick and adds a little bit of acidity to it, which I really like. So I think that was probably one of my most favorite martinis I had back in the day. Very recently, I actually had a martini which was made at this bar in Bangkok called Mezcal Bar. And they do a lot of classics using mezcals. And they made a martini with mezcal and I was absolutely mind blown. I think till date, that would probably be my most favorite martini. A mezcal martini. I like that concept of having like vinegar being added because it kind of goes back to also some martinis that have olives in it, right? Like that's the same concept of like adding acidity. Yeah. So you add something that would probably, you know, cut down the strength. So the reason they add olives is so that you can have a bite of, you can have one olive after one sip. So a martini technically it's supposed to be finished in three sips. Please do not try this at home. But I was what? just getting <laughs> real excited. So it's it supposed like, to be. Right. Yeah, so it's supposed to be one sip, one olive, one sip, one olive. You you really need to have a very strong willpower to have a martini in just three sips. But yeah, and that's also the- what a dirty martini is. So no, a dirty martini is when they use olive brine it's not got only olives but it's got the brine of olives some people also like to muddle the olives and make a filthy martini which is basically extra 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 olives so I mean nice. there's so much you can do with martinis it's not even funny I just realized Shouldn't something like through this entire I'm very <laughs> happy right now but I also just realized that through this entire episode we not once have we talked about like making martinis with vodka because like for the longest time, that was the assumption that I had. And then I, when I was, you know, kind of reading up on gin and experiencing it by drinking it, I realized that originally martinis were made with gin and not vodka. Is that right, Ishra? Correct. In fact, a lot of people like their vodka martinis. 
because I think they they like a more neutral taste and mm. gin kind of with their botanicals can also get very overpowering in a martini. So people like to have something more neutral, which is probably a vodka. Not probably, it is a vodka. Something known as a Vespa martini, which is what James Bond had, was made with vodka. So, I mean, again, like I said, there are so many different styles of martinis that you can just experiment with. And, you know, pe people have their own liking. People have their own martinis that they like. I like my own martinis, to be honest. I do not like anyone else making my martini, except me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of the things that we noticed, like we've been going out to bars recently and we've kind of seen this like resurgence of, or I, I guess just like visibility of the espresso martini and that's like a very different kind of martini at all like you know is it even a martini at that point so like what's your thought on like an espresso martini okay if you want to stay awake the entire night go for an espresso martini people out there <laughs> really love their espresso martinis i think that's one cocktail that is a no-brainer and it is made with vodka so it's got vodka mm. coffee and coffee liqueur it, it it really is a punch and i don't think anyone can go beyond two espresso martinis because you'll be up the entire night so not necessarily something that i would like to have on a night out versus maybe a brunch you know it's a great yeah. brunch cocktail it works in brunches and people still love it like so many years of an espresso martini and people still love it but again it's very difficult to make if you don't have the right coffee to make it it can really taste bitter and leave a horrible taste in your mouth so again you have to be very careful of the kind of coffee you're using and the kind of espresso machines you're using so there's a lot that goes into that as well you know our listeners are one of those kind of people who like love to listen to an episode and then be like okay i'm going to use the knowledge that i have just gathered to kind of exercise in the outside world and one of the things that i'm sure everyone's kind of like interested to know is that you know now that they know some of this information how, when they go to the bar, what should their like martini order be? You know, like like the James Bond description. But like, if that's not what they would want to do, how do they? How should they go about? You know, talking to a bartender and saying, "This is kind of what I want." Interesting question. Like, I feel that everyone should first try a martini before actually thinking of ordering one, because it isn't for everyone. And especially with India being a palate that is still evolving, it. It's difficult for people to actually like a martini. I get really impressed when someone orders me a martini uh, or orders a martini to me because it is a very mm -hmm. acquired, <laughs> it is a very acquired taste, very very acquired taste. But okay, so if someone comes to me and asks me to make them a martini, the first question I ask them is, how would you like it? Do you like it dirty? Do you like it classic? Do you like a crisp? Do you like it wet? Do you like I, all of this sounds really wrong, but these are the kind yep. of questions. <laughs> I am having the best time right now. Like the best time right now. This should be like a little audiogram. This should never, never leave Ishrat. This should be how people remember her. Oh my God. The amount of times I've said yeah. martinis in this podcast, I think everyone should get one by the end of it. I know. I know. But yeah, coming back to the option. So you ask them how they like it. And then you... Basically, you make the martini and then you ask them what garnish they like. So now garnishes can be of different types. Like I like some, I mean, depends on my mood, but sometimes I like a lemon twist and 
a lot of people do like lemon twists in their gin martinis or even vodka martinis for that matter. You can also do olives. You can also do cocktail onions. So it can be either one of those yeah. three. Or... No, actually cocktail onions go really well in a martini, by the way. Try it. No, make... Onions are bad. Onion. Onions are bad. Oh, yeah. You don't like onions. Okay, never mind. And tomatoes yeah. also, right? No tomatoes. No well, onions. no one's putting tomatoes in a martini. Thank yeah, you can. You can. Please See? don't. Please you can make don't. a variation of a martini, which is a Gibson, and use some pickled cherry tomatoes as a garnish. It's so good. That Yo. sounds amazing. Should, yeah, you're really right. missing it. It's fine. I have zero FOMO about onions and tomatoes. Please carry on. Yeah, I think the... I mean, you obviously also ask them, she can stir, but most martinis will be made stirred. And I think the last one is the garnish that I've already spoken about. Olives, lemon, or cocktail onions. All right. And I mean, now that we know how to order, can you tell us Delhi, Bombay, Bangalore, one place in each of these three cities where You'd say, all right, they'll do you a good cocktail. They'll do you a good martini, to be specific. Ooh. Oh, God, heavy question. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. You're welcome. I do have my biases, but okay, let me try being neutral. Delhi, I think the best martini has to be PCO. There is nothing I else. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, but they do do their classics on point. There is no one who can beat them on classics. So... PCO for sure for a nice, authentic martini in Delhi. In Bombay, I have actually not gone around as much trying martinis. But I do think that Bombay Canteen would be able to make you either a variation or a good classic martini as well. It's a great bar. I love Bombay Canteen. Then, I mean, it's a restaurant, but the bar is really good. And in Bangalore... God... In Bangalore, I would say I make the best martinis at my home. All right. <laughs> Go to Barish. Yeah. Just for everyone who doesn't know, Ishra's <laughs> bar is called Barish because bar hyphen it. And it is, it is genuinely the best place ever for a cocktail. Hey, man, we tried to do Sober Sunday once. It did not work. If and when I'm in Bangalore next, you can make me lots of drinks. But I do know that you're going to be here soon. So I will... Take advantage of your presence. But while I don't have you around me, and if I don't have like, you know, all the ingredients traditionally needed for a martini, are there any substitutes that I could, you know, make use of? Because I'm big on subs when it comes to, say, even a Manhattan or an old-fashioned. I've been known to kind of like play around a little bit and arrive at something that might not pass like the hospitality test, but it'll taste great and it'll kind of like, sort of feel like the original so are there any substitutes that you feel um yeah especially for like, like vermouth like vermouth is probably the hardest one to yeah. for everyone yeah. to kind of carry yeah so vermouth is probably the most difficult i mean if you don't have a vermouth it is very difficult to make a mati. but something that i did in the lockdown and i don't know if it works for everyone or not but something that i did during the lockdown when i didn't have vermouth with me was i actually took oxidized wine so like wine that has probably gone bad in your because vermouth is fortified wine so I took I took some wine I kind of mixed it with some spices and added some coriander seeds some you know other spice I don't even remember what all I put in there and I kind of 
made my own homemade vermouth and i use yeah. that for martini and if you're too lazy to make a home homemade vermouth you can actually use that oxid oxidized wine just about say 10 ml i won't say more than that and make a martini at home with that i think that would be the closest substitute you're like a little chemist like you should have your own apothecary yeah <laughs> which like creating spirits for the heart like broken heart which is what i have to say Terrible boys, here, here you go. But you know, like in India, what's a good vermouth to buy? Like, do, would you say that stick to your, you know, the martini extra dry? And I mean, I'm guessing sweet vermouth does not apply to most martinis, except maybe an espresso martini. I don't know. But like, what's a good, reliable, solid, take home to your mom kind of vermouth? Honestly, martini, nothing else. Like, obviously, there are other brands in the market, and I. I cannot name them for other reasons, but but generally martini, extra dry martini, bianco. These are the two kind of moods that you can use in your martinis. It is also called martini, so I think it's meant for that. That helps. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that that yes. definitely helps. And you know, they're they're actually not terribly expensive. Not so I'm guessing that if you're looking to experiment, you can just buy one, and it'll last you a while, unless you're entertaining, in which case all bets are off. No, so it's it's a one liter bottle, and you end up using only about fifteen ml maximum, or say thirty for making fifty fifty martini, and that bottle lasts you years. Just pick up one bottle, which will cost you around twelve hundred fifteen hundred rupees in Gurgaon. These are only Gurgaon pricing. This is not Bangalore, but uh, actually, even been in Bangalore is the same price because it falls under the wine category. So yeah, pick up a bottle; it'll last you years. But don't forget to put your vermouths in the fridge. I think that's the most important thing that most people don't do. Yeah, I've never done that. Thank you. I'm gonna do that. Yes, please. Good. Don't leave them outside. All right. Um, I will not. I will never leave them alone, Ishrat. <laughs> and thank you so much for coming on board and teaching us. I don't even know like so many things. I was not expecting to learn this much. I have to be very honest. I was just kind of hoping that we just talk about like how fun martinis are, but you turned it into like an academic exploration for which I'm very grateful. So thank you so much for giving us so much of your time. We really appreciate it. And the next time you make a martini, please think about me. What's the What's the martini you're making next, Shirin? Me? Oh God! Yeah, I think dirty. I know I, mine. I, I'm usually a dirty martini person, but I really enjoy ordering espresso martinis when I'm out. Then I'm I will make, make a dirty the, martini. What yours? I'm gonna I'm gonna make the filthy martini just because of the name. Yes. I love the name. <laughs> filthy. But I do I have martini. <laughs> I do have a recipe that I can recommend you guys to try, which is my yeah. current yeah, favorite and yeah. strong. Okay, so this is a martini that I would recommend people to start off with because it's easier than a classic dry martini on your palate. So it's basically got fifty ml gin or vodka. It's got fifteen ml of martini extra dry, ten ml of olive brine, ten ml of elderflower syrup, and just a pinch of like pink salt. Stir it up. Serve it up. And put some olives in there. That sounds amazing. It's really that genuinely good. sounds amazing. I would never have thought to do like elderflower. Yeah, and it's called yeah. it's five o'clock somewhere. 
try it. Huh? Did you name Shirin, it? Shirin, this is your task. This is your task <laughs> this week to make it and take a picture so that I we can take I it shall. live with this post. Listen, you guys, there's a wedding in my house in the next two weeks. There's going to be a lot of trying new things. And, you know, I'll have so many guinea pigs around me for all the gharka functions that you will be hearing from me. I'll be like, oh, I tried this. It sucked. I tried this. It was amazing. So <laughs> watch out for that. I mean, you may have to block me, but I don't recommend it. <laughs> I think it'll be fine. Thank you very much. And thank Excellent. you so much for being here with us today. We've had a great time. I am super excited to see what we talk about next because after we are done with our cocktail series, I really want to just sit down and be like, now that I know so much about all of these different cocktails, which one do I want the most? And that is going to be my little project for the next two months. So thank you very much for being part of it. Well, it, it may be five o'clock somewhere, but here it's 7.30. So we're going to call it a day. Thank you so much, Ishrat, for being part of this little project of ours. We're super thank excited you. to finally have gotten you on board after two years of talking about it. So drinks on us the next time you'll see us. And to everyone else, I think today is a great day to make your loved ones for Martini. Go do it. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me here.